Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles again today to Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians chapter number 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. Now, as we begin to talk about this yesterday, Paul is going to make another comparison of law and grace. Again, why so much comparison in Paul's writings? Because they didn't get it. Even today, people still do not get it. They'll tell you in one sentence that they're trusting in their faith to save them. And then you watch them, you turn around, and they're doing something that they think will better their chances. Uh, in verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, one by the free woman. Now Paul is going to compare law and grace. Law being Hagar, grace being Sarah. Hagar being the bondmaid, Sarah being the free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. That's referring to Hagar and her child Ishmael. And he of the free woman, Sarah, through promise, which was her son Isaac. Again, a comparison between Hagar and Sarah and their children, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was born to Hagar, and Paul calls him a child of the flesh. Why? Because he was conceived during a time when Abraham and Sarah's faith had lapsed. God had already told them that he was going to give them a son. And they got impatient. They got ahead of God. They jumped into the flesh Okay, and they immediately decided they would take care of it on God's behalf by offering Hagar to Abraham, and through Hagar came Ishmael. He is referred to as the child of the flesh. However, as time passed, Sarah did indeed conceive, and the child of promise was born to Sarah, which is Isaac. Thus Ishmael throughout the scripture is compared to the flesh and Isaac is compared to the promise. And we spoke about this the other day. Many don't realize or do not realize the gravity of the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made. You and I in our world today are still reaping the consequences of this mistake. The children of Ishmael, uh, the Arabic peoples, still are very much hostile toward the children of Isaac, which are the Jewish people. And you and I don't even have to, you know, just turn on your television for about five minutes and you'll figure uh, that one out. Um, and then notice in verse 24, which things are symbolic. So all of this stuff about Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac, it's symbolic for these are the two covenants. Now he's going to compare the two covenants. Of course, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Our Bibles are divided between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We refer to them as the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Testament represents the flesh. It represents Hagar. The New Covenant represents grace, uh, Sarah. So for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, referring to the law, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and responds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So now he says that these two relationships of Abraham can be compared to law and grace. The law was the covenant 
of the Old Testament and grace was the covenant of the New. The law was given at Mount Sinai and gave birth to bondage, to death. Grace was first taught in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost and gave birth to freedom. So Jerusalem had been under bondage of the law up until Jesus came and offered them freedom. In verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. The Jerusalem which represents, the Jerusalem here represents heaven or Sarah. The promise was that the seed that would come through Sarah, which came through the promised child, which was through Isaac, which was given in Genesis chapter number 12, the seed was fulfilled how in Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of Isaac. So Sarah represents grace as that through her womb literally came grace through Jesus Christ. And in verse 27, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. This is actually a promise to the Gentiles that because of Jesus Christ, they too will be given the opportunity to enter into the very same salvation that was offered to the Jews. We must remember that the Jews had some real issues with Jesus and his teaching about the Gentiles being able to receive salvation. Um, as a matter of fact, this verse, which is a quote from Isaiah 54 and verse number one, promises that at least initially more Gentiles will come to Christ than the Jews. And of course, we see that today. For the most part, the Jewish people are agnostic, if not completely atheistic. Um, very few of them are messianic, which means they accepted the Messiah. In verse 28, now we brethren as Isaac was our children of promise. Now when he says now we brethren, um, what does he mean here? Now we brethren, he's referring to those who have accepted the grace covenant, those who have embraced um, the message of Christ, salvation by faith. Now we brethren as Isaac was are the children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So just a little bit of background there. Uh, you'll remember that after Ishmael was born, Hagar got a little prideful and she began to despise Sarah, who was barren. Um, she began to lift herself up with pride. Sarah became very uncomfortable with this. Um, and then even after, um, and you remember there was some disagreement, and then even after Isaac was born, Sarah uh, Hagar still was extremely prideful. And I would assume the conversations went like, well, my son Ishmael is the firstborn, not your son. You know, he's the firstborn. He's the one that is the heir. Anyway, after a while, um, it says that, you know, uh, Sarah went to Abraham and uh, said, I want this woman cast out. And Abraham said, do what you want to. She's in your hands. That's what it means, cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. In other words, all the promises are in Isaac, not in Ishmael. So this is actually referring back to the Old Testament and the confrontation, the conflict that occurred between Sarah and Hagar. Um, but the point is, we 
are not children of the bondwoman either. We are not children of the law, but of free. Remember Paul said at the beginning of this, for this is symbolic. We are the children of the promise and that we have received the promises that were made about Jesus and the salvation that he came to offer. So again, chapter number four is looking back into the Old Testament, looking at Abraham and Sarah, comparing the law and grace, how that Ishmael and Hagar represent the law and that it was in the flesh and how that Sarah and Isaac represent grace and the promise because God literally revived the barren womb of Sarah and gave her the child of the promise. So again, Paul looking and comparing the law and grace again. And then he says in verse number one of chapter five, stand fast, therefore. When, you know, when Paul puts the therefore, he's saying in lieu of everything I've just told you, in regards to the flesh, in regards to the spirit, in regards to the law versus um, the, the, the promise. He says, therefore, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, this is the culmination of everything that we've been talking about. Don't be tempted to go back under the law. It would do you no good. Why does Paul spend so much time talking about this? Because we have a tendency to do it. We have a tendency to lean back on our works. And understand, the Bible says our best works are as filthy rags to God. There's nothing you and I can do to justify ourselves before a holy and righteous God. Nothing. God loved you. God loves me in spite of you and in spite of me. It's nothing that I do, but it's what he has done that brought about our salvation. And that is what we need to put our faith and our confidence in. He saved us. We cannot save ourselves. And it's an insult to God to say, well, you, we, you remember we've talked about this before, how that we want to add something to grace. You know, yes, he died on the cross, but you need to be baptized. No, 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 you're saved before you're even baptized. Well, you, you're, you're saved by faith, but you need to do good works. No, no, if you're truly saved, you will do good works. You don't do good works to be saved. Oh, but, but, but if you're saved, um, if you're truly saved, then, then you'll manifest these gifts. Mm, no, no, again, you are, you are putting works onto grace. You can't do that. Grace comes first. Yes, I totally believe that once you're saved, you will be baptized. Why? Because he who has my commands and keeps him, it is he who loves me. Bottom line. I mean, if you're saved, you're going to do what he told you to do. If you're saved, you're going to do good works. Why? Because, because you're saved. <laughs> because you love your master. And he's truly your master. Jesus said, why do you call me a master and Lord and you do not obey me? Really? Seriously? Why call me a master and turn around and disobey me? How many people in the church today claim to be Christians and yet they're living their lives like the devil? They're not saved. Now, oh, judge not, judge not. Well, I can look at their fruits. You know, Jesus said that I can be a fruit inspector. And some people who claim to be Christian, their fruit stinks. How about you? Have you placed your faith in Christ? If you have, you're born again. And if you're born again, you will serve him. You will love him. You will live a life for him. 
Well, listen, folks, God bless you. I hope that you have a great weekend. Uh, remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. It's working all things out for your good.